0: This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five part podcast series entitled Breaking the Silence How Speaking Up Enhances Corporate Culture. The series is sponsored by Case IQ. Over this series, I will visit with Darlene Lobby, Jacob Fickner, Kenneth McCarthy, and Merrick Block on different facets. Of a great speak up regime and how each of those facets will improve your corporate culture. We will tackle such topics as the indicia of a great corporate culture, the importance of triage and internal investigations in improving your corporate culture, non retaliation and protections for those who speak up, tying your entire system of speak up to improving culture, and we'll conclude with some thoughts on how an entire system of speak up drives corporate culture to better run your organization, and at the end of the day, make your organization be more profitable. First, a word about our sponsor, CaseIQ. CaseIQ is the leading provider of modern workplace case management software to handle virtually any type of compliance breach. Case intake, workflow, data centralization, and reporting have never been simpler or more efficient. Whether you're dealing with potential employee fraud, harassment, or misconduct, trust CaseIQ to provide clarity and confidence you need to protect your employees, your organization, and your brand. With millions of cases resolved and billions of dollars in litigation avoided, CaseIQ can help you make a difference in your workplace. Visit www.caseiq.com to learn more. In this episode, Eric Block on how Speak Up improves your compliance program. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode in our five-part series, and I'm absolutely thrilled today to have Merrick Block. Merrick, first of all, welcome to
1: the podcast. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Merrick, could you tell us uh, what you're currently up to? Sure. So at the current time, I have a consulting practice uh, where I focus only on workplace investigations. And the thrust of the practice is really helping corporate clients either establish an effective investigations program, maybe um, optimize it, kind of evolve it to the next level. Also training um, of investigators and uh, coaching. Uh, One of the things that I'm finding that helps clients is after you've done the training, after you help them establish the framework, um, and then it's really working to grow their teams case by case and learning from each case. So it's keeping me busy. Um, just finished my fourth book. Um, and st- this fall, I started as an adjunct professor at Fordham University Law School in New York, um, working with them, teaching a course on investigations. Not surprising. So it's been, it's been busy uh, seven, eight, nine months.
0: Let's say Fordham is developing a powerhouse in compliance. Uh, you're one of several people I've heard that have uh, associated with them as either an adjunct professor or some other role. So uh, keep, we're gonna watch that space. But Merrick, what I really wanted to visit with you on is how um, Speak Up, how the investigation process, and indeed uh, Speak Up more generally might help improve a compliance program. Um, Many people think of Speak Up as, well, that's just a hotline and someone calls in and said, I have a problem or I saw something. And that's certainly one way to use it. But a true culture of Speak Up uh, is much more encompassing. How have you seen a culture of Speak Up? Let me just start with uh, your specialty in investigations. How can that help improve a compliance program, not simply address an issue?
1: Well, I... It's actually a great question, and I think the challenge for compliance professionals is how do we make it integrated into our companies, and how do we make it meaningful? Um, so generally, I think the, the, the predicament uh, we find ourselves in is we go, we, we set up a hotline, we establish, you know, the messaging for it. Whatever policies we may think help, we say the right words in the code of conduct. Um, uh, you know, we have that encouraging introduction. I'm always teasing clients. They, you know, the one from the CEO that says, "You know, we really need to know. We really care." And what I have found that it suffers from the flaw of being very passive. Uh, in other words, companies need to, or any organization needs to look into um, who is speaking up, why are they, why aren't they, uh, and, and really ask themselves difficult questions. Um, I have found in my practice as an investigator, as an investigations leader in, in companies, the challenge for, I can see most commonly is, is, is it meaningful? It is incredible. Um, people aren't sure. Um, what should be reported or what shouldn't be, um, for example, we all say the same things. If you're not sure, you know, tell all these different people and that's great. You have to say that. Um, but do people really understand what you're talking about when you say, speak up, should they speak up? And this is from a veteran of hotline management. Should they speak up, uh, because, you know, um, You know, somebody took their sandwich from the refrigerator, should they speak up when, you know, they, they're observing it with someone else. In other words, we don't do a good job of telling them what we care about and the role they play. And I, and I think that part is, is very important. So it's really, um, looking at the friction point. It's, so it's not just we have this, we have this, we have an additional policy, we have a brand new poster, we give out squishy balls on compliance day. It's really about saying, what is meaningful to these people? Um, Where are they speaking up? Where aren't they speaking up? And really taking a critical look at it and quite honestly, being able to take accountability for it if it's not what it should be.
0: Let me pick up on something you said because I've never heard it phrased that way explaining to people the role they play. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone has obviously a different role in a corporation, top mm-hmm. management, middle management, myself, if I'm reporting to my supervisor or, or a middle manager, could, could you maybe say a few more words on how do you explain
1: to someone the role they play? Well, I could give you a great, a great example. I'm working with a client and, um, they've encountered a real blip in hotline reporting from a particular facility. Um, They asked me to look into it to try to understand, is it a crime wave or something else? Well, most of the time in this case too, it's not a crime wave. What it is is there are usually various factors. But to your point, what we noticed was these were all hit and run reports. They were anonymous reports Um, There was no follow-up. You know, we reached out through the case management system. We got no response. So, of course, we're left in this dilemma of what to do. So, we started looking a little closer, looking a little closer, and I had suggested to the client, why don't you do, you know, very quick training about this is what happens when you make a report. Your role is not just to say, I'm unhappy. I wanted you to know about it. Now, go fix it. It's really, you're an information source. You have a need and an obligation to cooperate with us. This is what we need if you expect us to help us. this And quite honestly, we explained, because they were all coming in anonymously, we actually explained to them, look, when we receive an anonymous report, these are the practical consequences. So let's be clear. We weren't saying, don't make an anonymous report. We were actually saying, Please realize that it's not as valuable as when we can engage with somebody. So we actually saw that after they had that, that town hall, I guess what is what they did. Now all of a sudden, um, the reports are more meaningful, more identified. And even when they're anonymous, they know to check in. They know to give us more details because we're, we're looking into potentially improper conduct, not. I'm unhappy." Um, And then, of course, one thing led to another. Now we've been asked to do training for managers about when someone comes to you with a concern, here's what we need you to do. Here's what we don't want you to do. And more importantly, this is how you engage with the person. And these are some of the things you can say. Because again, what I've observed professionally, is companies say, you know, if you have a problem, the first person you talk to is your manager. Great idea. Then they've done nothing to educate the managers managers about what to do when um, when someone contacts you. I just want to throw in a quick point. as um, in, in both the reporters and my manager example. I do not doubt people's good faith. In fact, I haven't found anyone who didn't care. It's just we haven't told them how to care. And I thought that made a big difference.
0: I find that incredibly fascinating by putting, what I heard you say is, uh, use the word obligation. And by putting uh, some obligations on reporters or those who Mm -hmm. might raise their hand and speak up, that actually engages them more. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Now, by the way, when I'm saying engaging them more, I'm not saying, well, unless you show us prima facie evidence, we're not going to do anything. Nothing like that. But we all have in our company policies, if there's an investigation, you have a duty to cooperate. And that of course comes from common law hundreds of years ago, this idea of good faith and fair, the duty of good faith and fair dealing, where you have an obligation to help your employer. It's one of the things you get for the paycheck. Um, and we we said, look, you're a company employee, you have an obligation to cooperate with the inquiry. Now, when I'm talking about cooperating, I mean, having a having a follow up interview, where you can kind of, you know, kind of get the bigger context, you can kind of pressure test the information, you can kind of fill in some gaps, because the other thing to remember is a reporter is telling you what's important to them. And it's much like when you go to the doctor and you explain what hurts. It's not necessarily what you need to know, or let's be more accurate. It's not necessarily all that you need to know. So I find that it it works and actually it has positive results for the, for the reporter as well.
0: Let me go back to a point uh, you started with is in this example, which was lack of reporting in one area, whether it be a business unit, whether it be a geo region, whether it be a plant, what does the lack of reporting communicate to a compliance professional or chief compliance officer? And how can they take steps to address that?
1: Well, Great question. And I think uh, it's something in all the roles I've had, you know, that's always true. Now, the, 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 of course, the $64,000 question is why? And there are a lot of reasons. And, this, you know, I've seen things where people have said, well, you know, in Asia Pacific, their culture is not a speak of culture. Um, and I think we've all kind of grown past that. What I see in other culture, in, in other parts of the world, for example, where you you tend to see underreporting, reporting um, you, you, you don't really see it that much uh, in Western Europe anymore. You don't really see it in the US and Canada. What, what often comes from is I think the distance. And what I mean by that is, you know, many of us you, who've worked for multinationals, they're all headquartered in Western Europe, they're headquartered in the U.S. And when they get to other parts of the world, it's like the message and the thrust of the message kind of peters out. Um, and um, what you find is if people are, are afraid to speak up, this has been my experience, if they're afraid to speak up, It's not because they're afraid of going against the culture as much as they don't know how it's going to help them. So they may think, for example, and I think this is ubiquitous, uh, you know, this is not geographic. They may think, well, you're just interested in protecting the company, which means your only interest is in protecting my manager. Um, you know, uh, or I believe that, you know, HR has simply done the manager's bidding. So why should I tell you, you're just going to do the same. In other words, that really passive message of tell us, um, gets lost when you haven't put it in the hands of people in other parts of the world who see it as a distant message um and and it's lacking relevance to where they are sitting today and it's not this you know overwhelming cultural thing that's just been my view
0: so when i was in a multinational corporate legal department i often used to say that when you drop a pebble in the lake by the time it got overseas it was a tsunami and then the people in the asia pacific region would say the same thing when it came back to America, when they dropped a pebble in the lake. But wow, what I heard was completely different. You dropped a yeah. pebble in the lake, but it completely petered out.
1: Yeah, and I think it does because, and again, I'm a multinational refugee like you, uh, is that um, it? it's sort of like, I think one of the things I also see when you get away from headquarters is this kind of idea of you know, this riff off of Fiddler on the Roof is, you know, let headquarters be well far away from us. Um, and then it's the idea of, look, we don't wanna get headquarters involved, you know. Um, and, I, and I have seen this where some people, you know, in other regions might say, if this goes to headquarters, people in headquarters are gonna think we don't know how to do our jobs. So notice it's not a fear of losing face of vindictiveness, I, my experience was people were going, if if they get a lot of reports from, say, Singapore, I'm just picking a city, They from Singapore, they're, you know, people at headquarters are going to go, I guess we have the wrong managers in Singapore, look at this problem. So do you see how even making a report all of a sudden carries all this baggage instead of, could you guys take a look at this and tell me if it's consistent with the rules? That's the problem in my view. It's a very, my experience, you know, we're looking for these great epiphanies. It's really a very practical problem, and it's not very glamorous on how to fix it.
0: Merrick, that seems to be the perfect point for us to end this podcast, and we're near the end of our time. I hope our listeners will join us tomorrow where we take a look at the ROI of Speak Up Culture. I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me, and I look forward to continuing this conversation.
1: I hope so, too. Thank you again for having me.
0: This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this special five-part podcast series, Breaking the Silence: How Speaking Up Enhances Corporate Cultures, sponsored by CaseIQ. CaseIQ is the leading provider of modern workplace case management software to handle virtually any type of compliance breach. With millions of cases resolved and billions of dollars in litigation avoided, trust case IQ to help you protect your employees, your organization, and your brand. Visit www.caseiq.com to learn more. This special podcast series has been a production of the award-winning Compliance Podcast Network. If you'd like to sponsor your own podcast series, please reach out to me. I'm Tom Fox. You can reach me at TFox at TFoxLaw.com. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to visiting with you
1: again.